This is the Doctor Who Podcast, and you are most welcome. Oh, at last, I haven't been here for some time. Now, where's, where's the key? Ah, right, there it is. Oh my god, what have they done? They've redecorated. Don't like it. Hello, yes indeed, I'm afraid the rumours are true. I'm back, I'm here to try and control Trev and Tom once again after leaving them alone for far too long in the Doctor Who podcast caravan. And quite frankly, there was no way I was going to let anyone sit there and discuss the wedding of River Song without me. So, hello listeners, hello Tom, hello Trev. Hello. Hello, how are you? Wonderful, very pleased to be back. But having said that, I have got, well, I've got several bones to pick with a pair of you, but I think (laughs) I'll start off with the first one. And the pair of you broke the Doctor Who podcast inbox by asking people to to send in emails talking about which Doctor came out of the toilet in The Impossible Astronaut (laughs) and whereabouts in his timeline he was. And oh my God, you did ask for people to send in um, helpful suggestions. And we're not going to go through them all, but I do want to say thank you to James Graff, Phil Hoyle, Denise Wilson, Teresa C., Kim Andreas, Kevin Evans, Alexis Ballou, Bern Lee, Chris Driggers and George Maudsley for oh all coming God. to the rescue of you two, <laughs> um, trying to point out whereabouts uh, that particular doctor was in his timeline. Wow. So how about that? We've got more emails about that than we have about lighthouses, which was our previous <laughs> uh, record holder. At least this one's a little bit more on topic. Thank goodness. Well, yeah, you know, I was talking <laughs> to a friend about. about that earlier on, and, and as he pointed out, every, everyone in Australia lives around the edges. Very few people live in the middle. So it's just one giant coastline. And how do you think we actually stop the ships crashing into the rocks, mate? So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Probably because no one actually goes to Australia. You know, there's no need to try and uh, warn people away. Is that well, true, Trevor? <laughs> well, perhaps they're the people who go there are Cybermen. <laughs> Cybermen, absolutely. Cybermen, very, very important. Anyway, let, let's move on. Um, there's been a little bit of news, hasn't there, uh, since we've been recording before. Confidential is no more. And no. that seems to have generated a significant amount of... Angry voices, shall we say, on the internet. Twitter mm. is alive with capital letters being used in, uh, in in tweets from Doctor Who fans saying, absolutely no way. Um, I, I've got my own views on this, but Trev, Tom, what do you think? Uh, are you particularly, well, A, surprised, or B, bothered? Well, I must admit I am surprised. I didn't really think we'd ever get to a stage where we would get less Doctor Who-related content. Um, it does surprise me they are getting rid of Confidential. Having said that, I'm not particularly fussed that it's going, to be perfectly honest. Um, what, what I would have preferred is rather than um, sticking with the 45-hour-long format, they probably should have scaled it back to the 30 minutes because I think what they've certainly done, certainly since Moffat's come back, is they've extended it out, but they really haven't extended it with anything worthwhile. Hmm. And I, I know for me personally, I've, I've got a whole folder of Doctor Who Confidentials which I've either A, only half watched, or, or B, haven't watched at all, merely because I'm not particularly interested in watching 
Rory drive a race car or Amy get dunked <laughs> into a shark tank or whatever it was, um, that, that particularly doesn't appeal to me. I've, I've, I've got better things Doctor Who related to watch than that. Mm. So um, it, 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 it doesn't really worry me, but I, I wish it would return and be a, a, a little bit more focused. Mm. I th- I, I'm kind of with you. To be honest, we, we've been massively spoiled for the last five, six years. Um, we've had the main show. We've had the show with its own making of documentary tacked on the side of it immediately, that airs immediately afterward. We've had Torchwood. We've had the Sarah Jane Adventures. So to me, there's not really been a shortage of Doctor Who-related content. Um, the other contextual element uh, introduced to this is that the BBC licence fee um, and I think everyone who lives inside the UK and a good, lo- and a good number of people outside the country will, will know that the BBC is funded by the licence fee or as some people choose to call it the television tax. Now that has been frozen for the next James is it two years it's been frozen for? I think it might even be more than that but it's certainly at least two years yes. Okay cool so the amount of funding that's coming into the BBC has actually been frozen so we have a choice. We can either keep confidential and have less money around in and around Doctor Who, or we can get rid of confidential and keep Doctor Who at the same <coughs> at the same levels. The money isn't going to be there to allow the show to continue, or if it is going to be allowed oh. to continue, then something else has to go. Um, don't get me wrong; I, I've appreciated confidential for what it's done, but I don't know any other show that's got its own built-in making of documentary that extends its uh, its airtime from forty-five minutes to an hour and forty-five minutes in peak time <laughs> viewing. So. No, uh, you no. know, I, I'd, I'd rather lose confidential than the main show. And even then, we've got a massive gap between the next between the next uh, new content after Christmas. So, you know, it's. I understand why people are upset. You know, if you say the word hiatus or cancellation to a Doctor Who fan, then they will start <laughs> twitching and foaming at the mouth. But I'd, I'll say it again: if it's a choice between the main show and confidential, confidential, you're going to the wall. Yeah, no, I, I'm completely with you. I think this uh, this is strange, actually, and I hope this doesn't set a precedent for the three of us <laughs> all coming on the same page, essentially. Um, but I, I do think that if any part of Doctor Who has got to be cut or has got to go, then confidential is the obvious candidate. Um, interesting point that Trevor made earlier about the length of the programme. I have a feeling that it will cost pretty much the same amount of money to produce a 30-minute yeah, programme than it, it would. would a 45-minute programme. Hmm. Um, so I think that's a different issue. And I think, yes, yeah, certainly for me, the actual content of the 45-minute episodes or even the hour ones, because uh, they used to, I think for the Christmas specials, and certainly for the David Tennant specials, extend confidential for the hour mark as well. I felt that they were incredibly laboured. Um, mm. They always included a couple of montages of, of modern music as well that went on for about five minutes, which was basically a series of clips from the episodes most people have just watched. Complete mm. waste of space, I think. I also get completely fed up with actors eulogising about other actors' abilities. Uh, it becomes very much a kind of backslapping club, a little bit like the extras on some of the big Finnish CDs, it has to be said, uh, of late. And for me, I, I just, I'd much rather watch other Doctor Who related stuff and Confidential long ago stopped being essential viewing for me. Mm. So I, th- I think the three of us are, are pretty much on the same page here. Well, c- partly. I mean, I, I, liked, I, I liked Confidential during the RTD years where there was more content um, I, for instance, I mean, the last time I remember really enjoying Confidential was um, when it was uh, attached to the end of time, because it was really good to see uh, David Tennant's process as he recorded the last scene that was transmitted, 
and then by contrast his last scene which I think in the episode uh, I could correctly identify it as being the, the bit where he's flying down out, out of the spaceship uh, towards the uh, plate glass window so that was interesting mm. um, it was interesting to listen to Christopher Eccleston talking softly about how he approached the role of the Doctor and and how I don't know how little he thought of it but how he didn't think about it which is quite telling and quite <laughs> interesting um, but as soon as the Stephen Moffat era started there seemed to be a clamp down on, on how much information was going to be leaking out of out of upper boat and that was clearly reflected in the content of confidential suddenly there were there weren't that many revelations it was all about the process of making tv and i do appreciate that what's being that what will go is this show about the process of making Doctor Who. So, you know, the, the, the exposure that um, crew gets and that process gets and that teamwork gets and the television and the, and the television unit gets will vanish from the screens. Perhaps it will surface as DVD extras. But to me, mm-hmm. again, it comes back to the, the central point. Do you want to lose the Doctor? Or do you want to keep the Doctor? Or do you want or, or lose him? And do you want to keep Confidential? You know, you've got a choice there. Yeah. But luckily for us, someone else has I, made it. I, I, I think you make quite a lot of good points there, Tom. Um, particularly going back to your, your, uh, your first comment on the fact that certainly long-term fans have an inbuilt car alarm system almost that <laughs> goes off in the middle of the night the minute you hear the word cancellation or or hiatus and Mm -hmm. people automatically assume that the parent show if you like is is not safe and I think we are simply not in that position anymore we are not in mid to late 1980s we know we're at a point where the production team and the BBC are exporting Doctor Who all around the world they're forging links with organisations that are not funded by the licence fee in, in order to try and cut costs and I just think Doctor Who is incredibly successful. Nothing has suggested to me that the show is in danger. And I think people need to probably step back a little bit and realise that, uh, yeah, it may be a shame that any part of Doctor Who is being cut. And I'm certainly of that view. But it's certainly not cataclysmic. And in my opinion, I would much rather that any money saved, if indeed that is going to be the case, goes into the main show. I wouldn't want to see a significant amount of money taken out of Doctor Who in order to fund something like uh, even a 10-minute Doctor Who confidential. However, the online resistance uh, has been organised. It's fairly militant, as you would expect. (laughs) And there are a number of ways um, that you can register your discontent uh, by following SaveDWC on Twitter. And once you follow them, you've got access to a whole load of other URLs where you can sign up to online petitions to save Doctor Who Confidential. I very much doubt if it's going to have any influence whatsoever, but uh, I think it makes people feel better by protesting. Uh, then I think they should go ahead and do it. You know, on, on the plus side, it is quite inspiring to see that you can mobilise 13,000 Doctor Who fans in a matter of hours uh, over an oh, issue. Oh, come on. You can mobilise 13,000 Doctor Who fans just by saying, oh, 507 regenerations. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we get into talking about the Wedding of River song, we just want to quickly mention the incredible amount of feedback we've been receiving from you guys. Thank you very, very much. We, we must apologise for not actually having covered it in the last couple of episodes, but we will remedy that very, very soon with a, with a feedback discussion-centric episode. So um, keep your ears out for that on the feed. So, guys, I think it's time. It, it's been dancing around us here in the camper van for the last, mm. oh, 15 minutes. Um, time to go to a wedding. <laughs> Thank you. 
James, it's so great to have you back. Can I ask you to let us know what you thought of the season finale for season six? You most certainly can. What did you think of the finale for season six? <laughs> it was all right. Oh, just all and right. I think that's probably <laughs> that's as, that's probably as, as as much praise as I can give it. It was okay for me um let me just put it into a little bit of context i think for me season six has been the best series of doctor who since 2005 i've enjoyed it the most i've enjoyed the most number of episodes uh, within a particular series and certainly the, the three or four weeks i've been away i think there's been some fantastic episodes of doctor who and i couldn't help but feel disappointed um, on first watch. I say on first watch, I've only seen it once um, at the wedding of River Song. And, and for a number of reasons that uh, I'm, I'm certain not only us, but many other Doctor Who fans have been discussing since it uh, went out on Saturday night. And all of the resolutions kind of felt a bit yeah, that's probably the most articulate I can be. Uh, I, I think people were saying it would have been a massive cop-out had the Doctor Who been shot on the beach been a ganger well he wasn't a ganger but he may as well have been it was fundamentally a robot and not the doctor and so for me i think it was a bit of a cop-out i have to say i didn't understand for a second why a robot would start regenerating i thought that's just simply not been thought of um or perhaps They've decided that uh, the Tesselect uh, is, is a pseudo-human or a pseudo-time lord of some kind. But I found that particularly unsatisfying. I also found it extremely strange that after the end of the God Complex, um, that the Doctor decides to wander off for 200 years, being very miserable about his impeding death, and then decide at the last minute, hey, it doesn't matter, I can cheat this and I can, you know survive this anyway but and how, who is he trying to fall was it not 200 years of trying to come to terms with it yeah but why on earth spend 200 years trying to come to terms with something that you can avoid which he suddenly found out after a quick chance chat with the captain of the Tesselector. oh i may be able to get out of this and who is he actually trying to cheat because he seems to be cheating time. Apparently the Doctor's death is a fixed point in time, not the death of a robot. But history doesn't work so, like that. History is what's reported, not what actually happened. I think that is subjective interpretation. And I, I think what we were led to believe is that the Doctor is going to die. He is a fixed yeah. point in time. He, he accepts it. That's why you've got such fantastically brilliant, melancholic performances from Matt Smith throughout this series. And for what? For him to hop inside a miniaturised robot and the robot to become that fixed point in time. I, I didn't buy it. Um, and I thought that was, as I said at the beginning, a cop-out. The remaining, or the remainder of the episode, I have to say I actually quite enjoyed. I thought it was quite fun. <laughs> Um, the the wedding itself, whether or not it's a, a valid wedding because it happened in a kind of compromised universe, ugh, I don't know. And I'm sure it will be debated as to whether or not the Doctor really is married now or whether he isn't. I've, I've seen a lot of debates about Amy killing Kaverian um, mm. as, as well and people saying this is completely out of character. And I think that is... No, it's not. 
so far from the truth it's unreal mm-hmm. um, I, I think Amy is completely justified in killing Coveri and we were all talking about well three of us were talking uh, about Amy's reaction to not seeing her baby or, or her baby turning into goo and not being particularly believable as a parent and I think all of the anger that she hadn't actually demonstrated until this point came out when she killed Covarian. And I Mm. think it's completely understandable, completely justifiable. And for me, it actually goes some way to exonerate her complete blasé attitude after a good man goes to war, concluded. But yeah, anyway, that's me going on for for, for quite some time. There are some other bits (laughs) and pieces that I'd, I'd like to like to talk about as well uh, in particular I, I did enjoy seeing Ian McNeese uh, his return I thought he was um, very very funny with the doctor in a toga essentially I, th- I thought that was really good mm. but yeah on the whole for me it was good it most certainly was the weakest Stephen Moffat episode in this entire series for me <gasps> and it certainly was laced with disappointments yeah uh, I, I, I do tend to agree with a little bit of what you say there James um, i didn't mind that Amy killed Madame Gavorian. I think because Amy and all of them were in basically an alternate timeline and she was a little bit more militaristic anyway in that, that yeah. you, you can kind of forgive what she did. But I mean, I think even Amy at, at her base core um, would have done that anyway, even if it was the normal timeline. She would have had the <laughs> opportunity to exact her own revenge on you know the woman that did what she did to the baby. Yeah. Um, as for the episode itself, I quite enjoyed it. Um, I, I, I enjoyed it from... I suppose, a fan's perspective that we were getting a lot of answers thrown at us in this episode that, you know, we'd been looking forward to all year. Um, I loved, absolutely loved the reason why the Doctor stopped his 200-year, what do you call it, farewell tour because the Brigadier had died. (laughs) I thought that beat hands down the title card for um, Elizabeth Sladen at the beginning of Impossible Astronaut. <laughs> and it was a wonderful way to, you know, sort of bookend the season. That was an absolutely beautiful, and, and, and I must admit, tear-inducing uh, tribute to Nicholas yeah. Courtney. That, that was absolutely yeah. fantastic. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm still very confused about what Doctor is where and where he's supposed to be and how it doesn't all end up in some sort of massive loop. Maybe we can talk about that a little bit later. Um, but at the end of the day, I think um, while it's a story that only a fan will really enjoy because you need to watch the rest of this, you need to watch the last two years of Doctor Who to understand it and only fans are going to do that. Um, so certainly for us, it is a fantastic story. But God help anyone who just decided to tune in last Saturday night in the UFK and thought, oh, I'll watch a bit of Doctor Who. They, they would have been totally confused. And I think even people like my mother and father are going to be confused when they watch it here in Australia on Saturday. They're going to be going, oh, my goodness, what the heck is going on? They, they won't understand the intricacies of it. Yeah, but, um, if you, but, if you, but if you sat down to watch the Pyramids of Mars episode four, you wouldn't understand that either if you hadn't seen the preceding three weeks. True. Oh, I would disagree. No, no, I don't think it is true. I, I, I think part or, or, or episode four is a four-part Tom Baker story. It's the vast majority of them are enjoyable instantly uh, if you just watch them. And in fact, they would probably make you want to go back and watch the previous three. I think you would have a different experience if you were to tune in for The Wedding of River Song in isolation because you would not have a clue what is going on. Pyramids of Mars, you could pick up, as you could, I think, the vast majority of classic stories with perhaps... Warriors yeah. Gate is an exception, although uh, I don't understand that even watching it in the right whereas, way. Whereas stories like that are spread over four weeks, 
we, we in essence here with series five and six have a story that's spread out over two years. But I, can, but, but I think th- you're being very, very, very harsh different. on this. I mean, if I tried to watch the last episode of Spooks in the, the, or the finale of Spooks, why should I have any right to be able to enjoy it as a standalone if I've missed the whole series? Well, because Spooks is a completely different entity to Doctor Who in every way, shape and form in terms of its audience, its intended audience, how it tries to engage younger viewers. Um, I, I, I do think... Trez's point is absolutely correct. I think this was it wasn't totally inaccessible, and you could tune in and still think, "My God, this is a crazy program," but I like it. Mm. But in terms of understanding the story, then I you probably got a better chance of understanding the season finale of Spooks <laughs> because someone always is yeah, about to get no. blown up by a bomb in Spooks. Well, current oh. Doctor Who certainly Stephen Moffat Doctor Who is built in a very different way, and and like I said, I think it was really well done, mm. but it's confusing for someone who's watching it the first time. Now, pretty much any other series out there doesn't do what Doctor Who does. They don't build in so many layers that um, you have to watch two years of the show to understand it. And pretty much any other series can get away with giving you a 30 or 60 second recap at the beginning of the story and you can pick it up fine. Whereas I don't think you can really do that with Doctor Who. You have to have seen at least a smattering of previous episodes. Do you know what? That recap at the beginning of this episode really screw people from, from both ways. First of all, you're right, Trev. People who hadn't seen previous episodes wouldn't have picked up anything from it. And secondly, people like us, I don't know about you, Tom, I, would, I was guessing that you would have picked this up instantly. As soon as you saw the Tesselector back in the, in the recap, then that was it. As far yeah. as I was concerned, that yeah. Doctor was... You know, I knew how the beach problem solved itself. Mm-hmm. So that particular recap served no one <laughs> any good whatsoever. But at the same time, look, these are Doctor Who fans. You know, 10 million people tune in to watch this show over the course of a week. It's not as if they're all popping in from Mars. You know, Doctor Who has got a loyal following. I would suggest that a good 9 million out of those 10 million people haven't just happened on it. They've been watching it consistently for the last few yeah. years. So I, I don't see why this is a problem. It's like Torchwood. I can't watch the, the last episode of Torchwood and expect to know what's going on. That's really kind of unfair. You know, I, I should be... Yeah. If, I'm in, if I'm into the show, I should watch it. I, don't I totally agree, Tom, but... Um James mentioned that horrible C word about cancellation and how it puts in shivers up the spine of anyone who's a 1980s Doctor Who fan. Mm. I I can't help see that even though while Doctor Who was immensely popular, Mm. it's going down the same route that the very self-referential McCoy era was. And even to a certain extent, you know, lots, you know, stuff you needed to have watched other stories to fully appreciate the story you were watching. And I don't want Doctor Who to go down that route. Oh, I, I don't think it is. In all fairness, I don't think it is. I, I know exactly where you're coming from. And I think, to be fair, this is probably actually leading back to a conversation the three of us have had before. And that's, do we prefer arcs over standalones? And one of the points that I think, I can't remember who made, it might even have been me, actually, <laughs> um, is, is that Doctor Who changes continually. So yeah. we've got arc this year. We've got very heavy arc. We've never seen a more interconnected set of stories than we've seen for the last 13 episodes. Next year, it's already been stated quite clearly that we're not going to see such a close arc. I think people have been saying it's going to be the vast majority of standalone stories. And I think looking, certainly going back to the episode we're, we're, um, we're discussing, 
the ending of that episode sets up that kind of season nicely. And I, for one, look forward to seeing a darker Doctor, more mysterious, in the shadows, I think was the, the line used. I don't think the Doctor will stay in the shadows for very long, incidentally. He's never been very good at doing that. But mm. I, I, I don't think the series is going down the route that the McCoy era did because, frankly, even if you have seen all of the stories in season 26, it is season 26, isn't it? Yes, the final series, um, you still don't necessarily understand what's going on and you've still got some really clunky and hammy performances. You can't say that about season six. Practically every performance was absolutely on the button and the production values were, were fantastic i don't believe they're making the same mistakes but having said that trev you know there's no way that we're going to be able to short circuit people's panic systems um whenever people start thinking well people aren't going to understand this if they haven't seen the previous th- 12 episodes mm, i think it's mm. just a case of being patient and waiting for next next year i think it's it's not i won't go as far as to say it's insulting but i think there is a vocal minority that underestimates the intelligence and, and capacity of, an, of other members of the audience to actually comprehend what's going on until i see a huge number of people saying i didn't get it as opposed to 10 million people tuning in on a regular basis to actually enjoy the show then i've got no choice but to assume that somebody something's not right here and i, and I think i'm more willing to assume that the audience can follow it can pick it up and does understand what's going on Oh, I think it goes beyond that because it doesn't actually matter whether they do understand it because it can still be fun. 12, yeah. <laughs> just over 12 yeah. months ago, the three of us were sitting down talking about Big Bang. Mm-hmm. And I think my opening remark was, I didn't understand it, but I loved it. And Trev, I think you, you didn't quite understand that. And for me, so long as you can enjoy it, that's the starting point. And because of the age that we live in now, you can go back and try and figure out what the writer was actually trying to do. So even if people don't understand it, it doesn't mean it's bad telly or indeed bad Doctor Who. It just means it's different Doctor Who that requires a certain degree of concentration. Some of the fans will have that concentration, others won't, and that's fine. But my point is that 10 million fans on a regular basis do. You know, I think to paraphrase this, I don't necessarily need to know what goes into my ice cream to know to know that I enjoy it. Oh, I think I do because it's quite bad stuff. <laughs> Crushed beetles, I think. But anyway, oh, it wasn't Trev, the days, you yeah. were halfway through your summary, mate, of uh, Sorry, you of were. what you thought of this oh, episode. Was I? But, no, no, uh, no, we, we, we were just doing like a free-flowing thing. That's that's that's. I mean, I, I think I, I pretty you much railroaded your own conversation. I yeah, I. I did I kind of didn't I? I I think I was kind of finished so did so you were kind of you were the same as me you were kind of meh about it to a degree well no I I really enjoyed the episode don't don't get me wrong I mean please please don't take what I'm saying as you know anything negative I mean it was really well put together it, it was a fantastic watch and um there was enough in there to keep everything ticking over I mean, that little Brigadier reference kept me with a big grin on my face for the next 10 minutes. Um, yeah. Very good. I mean, th- th- there was lots of fantastic stuff in this story. Like I said, I, I d- I'm not sure about the casual fan, and I'm not sure I still fully understand what the whole thing with the Doctor is and how he still can continue and whether it's a time loop or, you know, blah, 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 oh, I blah. Can't blah. Wait to, I can't wait to explain it to you. <laughs> <laughs> well, but Tom, we, we really, yes. I, I think we've kind of guessed what, what you think of this, but give us your thoughts. Well, I've got to be honest. It, it, it was the least satisfying finale of the last five years. I have, what am I talking about? It was brilliant. What's wrong with you two? 
How can you not have enjoyed that? Oh, good Lord. All right, so look, it, it opens up with a massive blast of stimulation, all those images. I mean, I, I, I'm not sure that I can put it on a par with the opening of um, The Impossible Astronaut because that was really, really big. Uh, in a way that really sort of reset the boundaries in your mind for how big Doctor Who can be. But this absolutely played back to that. These Those wonderful shots of London, those incredibly surreal but beautiful flying cars, all of it was fantastic. You know, So you've got references to Metropolis in there, you've got references to, as I say, the Impossible Astronaut, but it was huge. Um, I wasn't mad keen on the beard prop, but let's, let's, go, let, let's go through this a bit faster. I really loved it. I love that Matt Smith has got his own feel, his own image, that the cowboy hat seemed to work as part of his costume was fantastic. Um, I like the sense of creeping dread from from Churchill, and Doctor Who taking taking a bit of a poke at itself. That that thing uh, with the two breakfast presenters talking to Charles Dickens about the Christmas special, it could have been Stephen Moffat sat there, and I think a lot of Doctor a lot of fans were expecting it to be maybe Russell T Davies or Stephen Moffat sat there because you know that's who it was supposed to be. Um, most importantly, the themes of redemption, patience, and perspective were played out to the nth degree, but with the Doctor at the middle of it. But without getting too far far into it or, or talking too long because I don't want to uh, bore people <laughs> to be honest I am so glad at what happened I mean I'd, I'd been sort of hinting at it all the way through the season that I thought the doc- the character of the Doctor was going to be rewritten a little bit and returned back to the way it was around 7 o'clock in, on November the 23rd 1963 I who is this guy what do we know about him What's the, what does this title of the show actually mean Doctor Who perfect that is exactly what happened? The, you know, the myth of the Doctor was rewritten. He stopped being so noisy, so noisy. He stopped being like a superhero. Stopped being like a god, and became what he was—cantankerous, mysterious old man. Perfect. That that, that that's not a, that's no mean feat to do. Um, similarly, we've got the foreshadowing of of uh, the Eleventh Doctor's eventual demise. It would seem. Uh, with references to things like the fall of the 11th. But I loved I loved the Hinchcliffe touches in this. I loved the appearance of Mark Gatiss. Did you spot him as that strange chess player? Um, but I, Yeah, I, he was the Harry Potter character, wasn't he, playing he, chess? He was, he was, he was. But I, I loved the sense of a larger universe. I loved the coming together of the strands that have been, that have been draped all the way through this. There's also um, the explanation of what was actually going on last season with the silence and the exploding TARDIS, but we'll come to that, I suspect. I loved uh-huh. the carnivorous skulls. So this, so headless things scare me. Dead headless things scare me. Skeletons scare me. Carnivorous skulls that want to eat me really scare me. So, yeah, that's... That that was a wonderful thing because it's something that's going to give children nightmares, and that's what Doctor Who's for. Uh, I'm entirely with you, Trev. The tribute to Nick Courtney was woven into the fabric of the story, and I am so glad that it put the people who were moaning on some of the more popular Doctor Who forums about, well, Nick Courtney's not got a tribute. <laughs> he had a tribute. It was woven into the fabric of the story, which is mm. where it should be. Nicholas Courtney Brilliant. and the Brigadier will live inside Doctor Who forever, and so it's entirely fitting that he dies inside Doctor Who as well. But apart, but apart from that, look at the effect that it had on the character that is meant to be the Doctor as well. That's the final thing that makes him think, all right, time to stop running. Time will slow yep. down for me. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think I'm just echoing your sentiments in there. But, the, but but for me, the great thing about this was that it was emotional and it it, kept, it just hammers this idea home that there is redemption for, pe- for, for people. You don't have to feel unloved. You are loved. You may not know about it, but you really, really are, even if you want to deny it. And, we, and that has been telegraphed to us all the way through the last two years, you know, certainly after victory of the Daleks. Um, and and and, any, and certainly last week's episode, Closing Time, uh, where, again, true love conquers all. It's not 
okay, do you know yeah. what? It's a, bit, it's a bit facile. It may not be all. Gu- it may not be guns. It may not be guns. It may not be Daleks. It may not, it may not be Cybermen. But the truth of the matter is, it's the truth. In reality, we know that the only it's, thing that is true is love. You know, it's uh, it's incredibly nauseating, Tom. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's, uh, I I don't. Do you know what? I wouldn't even object if it had been limited to the message behind the lodger. But no, it's come back again and again. And frankly, love doesn't solve everything and people who have lived a very long time let's say all 906 should know that by now and that's probably why (laughs) he's got into so many flipping problems um you know it's very very difficult to just say you know everything is forgiven everything will be okay and i think it's if it is the message behind this these last two seasons and i know tom you've been very very strong in your beliefs that that's what we're trying to be told I'm not so convinced, but if that is the message, then I think it's wrong, <laughs> frankly, and I think it's quite naive, and I don't think we should be using Doctor Who to try and send those those messages. But doc- but Doctor Who is a storytelling mechanism. We tell st- This is what humans do. We gather together in the dark and we tell stories to stave off the cold and to make ourselves feel good about ourselves, not, you know, to scare ourselves. I agree, but the same story again. And uh, no, this was, I mean, Closing Time was a, was a sequel, and yet it was the same flipping message. It was like, just in case that nail had fallen out of where we banged it into last year, we're going to get another nail and do exactly the same thing. And I, I just don't think it's right. Let's have a different message. Let's have a story where love doesn't conquer all. Let's let's have a story where love really screws people up big time and it's not actually reconcilable and see how humans and people deal with that. If we are going to use Doctor Who to emulate and mirror real life situations, let's see both sides. You know, not just the same side again and again. Have you not been watching? The, have you not been watching Doctor Who this season? Well, I, 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 was that was that was there not already the complaint from the Doctor that okay, well, can you please show me someone whose life I haven't screwed up? Have we not missed that the idea that the reason that he feels so hard on himself is because he believes he has done an awful lot of evil? Yes, have, we uh, have, we, and those those have been very brief exchanges of dialogue that are not intrinsic to that particular story being told. And that was I'm trying to remember that was a, that was which story was that? Tom, remind me. Um, um, the, the doctor wants to interface because let's kill Hitler you've got the old man on the floor mm. dying saying can you show me someone who I haven't screwed up please what, yes. what, you know, what, what more do you want what I want is is not to have to sit through 40 minutes of an episode of reasonably <laughs> intriguing setup and then be told at the end hey you know what's the most important thing here emotion about how one human being feels about another it actually undermines those character moments that you're talking about i feel because it cheapens them it says hey this is just as you know silly as saying love will fix everything i mean it simply simply doesn't and i and i i don't feel as strong as i am probably sounding about it but I, I, I do wonder and I, the reason why I'm doing this Tommy, a little bit is to challenge I think some of the things you think Doctor Who is trying to tell us because I don't see a subtext there that you do a lot of the time particularly about the themes of redemption and so on I, I think it's something that you can pull out of the show and um, if you try really hard I very much doubt whether Mr Moffat is sitting there trying to convey these messages and so whilst I completely am supportive of your enthusiasm 
on how you love pretty much most episodes, mm -hmm. I just don't see the undercurrents and the themes that you pick out. And I probably don't enjoy the show as much as you do because of it. <laughs> but I, I do struggle sometimes uh, to, to understand where you're coming from. But so, okay, so if you've got a man saying it's safe for me to go to my death right now, but he's confronted by a woman he's about to marry who says, no, those aren't sunspots. That's the universe trying to keep you alive because you are loved. That, to me, it sounds like redemption. And I balance up against the sadness of, at the end of Donna Noble. That was a really sad moment. You know, we can't, we can't, I'm not trying to say that Doctor Who is, is uh, a story about rainbows and balloons. It's not. It's about death. It's about sadness. It's about loss. It's about loneliness. And again, that's the loneliness that we see at the end, sorry, partway through this. The man's tiny, wants to die, but he has to, but his wife or someone that loves him is trying to keep him alive. Do, 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 I'm not do we sure not he does that? want to die. He doesn't. No, no, um, no, I don't, because I don't accept that he wants to die. Um, he, he had accepted that he needed to die for a period of of 200 years and then change his mind right before the moment that he was about to die and you know that's that I don't think works particularly well I do certainly see the theme uh, that you were talking about in terms of sadness loneliness and I think that was rife throughout the David Tennant era and I did appreciate that uh, but I certainly don't see the undercurrents that you're talking about within the Matt Smith era so much. I, I don't think it matters, in all honesty, because I'm still enjoying... As I said, I enjoyed season six probably... Well, no, definitely more mm. than any of the previous five series or the gap year. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I really, really appreciated this season. Mm -hmm. I just don't think... I get as involved in the plot if indeed the plot does go that deep or whether or not you and others are creating depths that aren't really there. Well, okay, there is the Einstein theory that says God doesn't play dice and if you're the multi, if you're the showrunner of a multi-million pound entertainment enterprise such as Doctor Who, then again I don't think Stephen Moffat plays dice. For instance, um, there, there's a lot of noise about, well why did the TARDIS explode at the end of last season? We still haven't had that explained. Frankly, um, don't forget that what, what was happening while the TARDIS was exploding there was that that loop silence will fall silence will fall silence will fall it, it seems to me that it was the silence trying to persuade all of the doctor's enemies to lock him up so he couldn't answer the question they were just trying to achieve the same end remove the doctor so the silence will not fall do, do you see what i'm getting at here I, I, I do, but I, I think that's a massive leap. Um, you know, you may well be right, Tom. It's been known. You have been right <laughs> once or twice before. But uh, I'll, I'll give you that. But for me, mm. if it isn't addressed at some point, then I'll be incredibly disappointed. And I know, Trev, I think we said a little while ago that you didn't think that was going to be addressed. You know, we were done with that almost now, the TARDIS going bang. It it seemed to be, but I mean, I'm, I'm persuaded by what you two guys are going on about that it will get addressed. But I don't know. I mean, as you know, the further and further we get away from it, and certainly next year, um, being I suppose another gap year, if you want to call it that, um, with lots more standalone stories. If they ever want to get round to actually explaining it, we're going to be a long, long way from when the TARDIS exploded for it, it to be referenced in the series. Um, yeah, true. true. I'm, I'm I'm not sure that that's going to be as satisfying so far away from when it actually happened, you know, sort of story-wise. Hmm. Well, will they even bother? That's actually an extremely good point. When you think about the production um, of, of the next lot of Doctor Who after the 2011 Christmas special, you know, that's that's not going to go out. Let's say it's going to go out in October, November next year. Yeah, you're talking over two and a half years before mm. before that is actually resolved. Yeah, no, good point. So I wonder whether or not we are actually going to get an answer, Tom, after all. Well, or whether we can just retcon your theory 
into continuity. Well, okay, two, two things we know about Doctor Who fans. They, you know, we can retcon. We know we can retcon. But number two, most fans are in it for the long <laughs> haul. So, you know, I, I, I do detect a certain number of people to, who do want an answer to that question. So we'll, we'll, we'll see. I did, I oh, did, I do. I did like how the Doctor Who universe was expanded as well. I think there's going to be an awful lot of space to, to set fan fiction and big finish adventures in that, uh, in what we've seen over the last couple of days, it's big, which is quite cool. Oh, yeah, but then again, Moffat has a habit of creating not only big gaps within his stories in you know in terms of how much time takes place between events, but also brilliant guest stars. I mean, we talked, we had this conversation when we reviewed *The Good Man Goes to War*. You think of how many characters could just set up, you know, and, and have their own series almost. Mm. And people and fans have really bought into those characters very, very quickly, much quicker. Uh, than anyone bought into characters created by Russell T. Davis, whose guest casts were generally very, very caricature. Well, and this, mm. this, this is the thing: people are going to respond to characters in which they recognise aspects of themselves or their whole selves. And, and Stephen Moffat is very, very good at writing characters. Um, yes. it, it could be argued yes, that is. Russell T. Davies is good at it, but his real strength is writing relationships as opposed to writing mm. fully formed characters. But, uh, but, uh, but before I lose sight of it, though, I loved this. I thought it was magnificent for the simple reason that it gives us back the Doctor in the form in which we first met him. We know we know a bit about his history, but about his history, but the mystery is almost reset as well. Um, he gets into the target. Do so you like, really think he's going to deliver on that? And I'm, I'm sorry for talking over you yet again. I mean, no, and, right. I, and I agree with you for what it's worth. I, I, I like having the mysterious Doctor set up and almost mm. reset a little bit at yeah. the end of this series. But do you really think that's going to play out? The Doctor is not going to be mysterious for 13 episodes. He's not going to have a low profile you know it's just not the way the doctor works it hasn't worked that way in nearly 50 years there's no way it's going to work like that for the next 13 episodes it may be that he is going to try and restrain himself in some way Mm -hmm. but if we think we're going to get 13 episodes of where the doctor is just manipulating things and people aren't going to notice, then I think we're setting ourselves up for quite a series of bland stories. Well, I prefer my Doctor to be a traveller rather than a god, and it could be argued, and my argument would be that for a very long time the Doctor was a traveller. I mean, when it comes down to it, this is just a Second World War parable about one man's resistance overcoming overcoming massive odds, but that's another that's another podcast. Um, I prefer my Doctor to be, as I say, a traveller, not a god, and to be... And, he was going that way for a long time. Now, all right, fine. It's about restraint, uh, restraint power. It's a bit William Hartnell. It's a bit Patrick Troughton. It's a bit like the old days where we don't know so much about him. Although that said, his name, I suspect his name was written on the crib, which is where Rivers saw it in the first place. <laughs> it's quite possible. It's quite possible. What did you think about the first question being Doctor Who? Well, I, I think I've mentioned this before. Um, who is the Doctor? You, I mean, you, you, you've speculated that was the case. Yeah. I, I find it kind of crass, I have to say. <laughs> That's crass with the two S's on the end, ladies and gentlemen. Um, yeah. that, that, that works for me. I mean, it, it is kicking in the fourth wall a little bit uh, in as much as it's... Well, that's it. People aren't daft. Yeah. They know what kicking in the fourth wall means. But at the same <laughs> time, I'm glad it's there. Like I say, it, it, it felt to me almost like Matt Smith and Stephen Moffat saying, right, that's the end of The Apprenticeship. This is now Doctor Who. This is what it is. More to, more to the point, it's Doctor Who is now whatever we choose to make it because this is the central character, it's my show and there is a big old mystery in the middle in a way that hasn't been for, some, for quite some time. <laughs> it wasn't the actual questions for me that I, I, I found crass with many S's. <laughs> um, it, it was more so that we got that 
pretty much like an info dump at the end of the episode. We were sort of told, okay, you've had the answers to these questions. Now Mr. Blue Man in the box is going to tell you the questions for the next 18 months, <laughs> two, two years. I, I wasn't yeah. really thrilled with the way they then decided to sort of kickstart, you know, the next season of Matt Smith. Here's some questions for you to mull over for next year. Here's, the, you know, the fall of the 11th, you know, the battle of whatever yeah. it was and Doctor Who and stuff like that. It, hmm. it just seemed a little... I don't know, clumsy? Well, yeah, I think it was rushed. It certainly was rushed. Uh, it, you were right. He was dropping things that he's clearly going to pick up again later. Cool. And it's a shame it was done in one episode. Oh, yeah, it is cool. And I've got no problem. I mean, Russell T. Davis did that all the time. And I think he sometimes dropped things. He had absolutely no idea what they were <laughs> at all when he was writing them. Um, and I think Moffat does that too. But I don't see why it had to be done in the last five, ten minutes. And I think you're right there, Trev. That did seem a little bit rushed. And... I know this was a single episode finale and it's been pretty much the only single episode finale um, that, we, that we've had, but it could have done with an extra 10 minutes or so, I think, just to, to draw it out a little bit. But, you know, arguing about the length of episodes is something that anyone could do about any episode, really. So, Do you know, I, 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 there were, just as I finished watching this and I was thinking about it later, I remember hearing that this season was going to be a bit of a game changer. And I thought, and that yeah. came back to me a few a few hours after watching the show, and I realised that it, it it's it's very subtle, but it really is. For instance, now every so often when I'm thinking about the TARDIS, I, I get a vision of Suran Jones, uh, and I think about the the, the the day that they talked, <laughs> and I think about the personification, and that even goes back to watching. What was I watching the other day? I was watching Face of Evil. Uh, an old 1977 story looking at the impossible beauty of Louise Jameson. But it was hard not to get a feeling of um, the TARDIS, even though we don't see the interior, being kind of, well, we know it's sentient, but just having a personality, part one. But part two, this, the original title of the show was meant to be Doctor Who. Doctor Who. You know, there was an emphasis on there, but over the years, over over nearly fifty years, it's become Doctor Who. You know, it, there's no separation. Was, it? was yeah. it really? It, it never had a question mark after it. Oh, but the, episode <laughs> one, Doctor. <laughs> that, that, there, there's the old man, Doctor. Doctor Who. You know, that's the question that is asked mm-hmm. in episode one. But the show is called Doctor Who Statement. So I don't know. I, I don't know. know what for you're me, saying. I'm, I'm I mean, deliberately <clears throat> the, the whole thing with Doctor Who. For, for me, the whole thing with Doctor Who is, is it's the question that should never be asked anyway. And there we so have it. I'm 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 probably more with James. I don't think we're going to get an answer to it. I don't want oh, an answer to it. I don't want an answer no, to it. We never we never would. But it is self-indulgent, I think, just a little bit to start talking <laughs> about. Hey, Doctor Who, you know, it's a. I was expecting Doctor Who is required or something along those lines. You know, it just just didn't really feel right to me. In plain sight, it was a clear reference to the audience, unless again I've, I've missed something. But you know, we'll we'll have to wait and see what happens. One mm. one of the things that um, Trev did mention, I just wanted to mention also, is, is Dorian, uh, this wonderfully played character who didn't have a body mm. and I've got to say I like the character immensely but my god did he know a lot oh, yeah. <laughs> and where did he get all his information he was basically a plot convenience I felt a very interesting one and one that I enjoyed watching but whenever you needed a bit of exposition then what happened oh he was brought back again because he knows he knows about the question he knows about the silence he knows what the silence do and I just felt well what would have been a bit nicer is the doctor doing a little bit more Poirot work rather than just going to this one guy and I know they tried to do it what with a Dalek at the beginning and so on but 
basically Dorian was the font of all knowledge and I, I just felt it was a little bit too quick and a little bit too convenient. Did um, he not turn up first yeah, in I, New Earth? New Earth? Yeah, did no, d- d- definitely no. not New Earth. No. When did he first turn up? Absolutely not. He's he was in um, a Good Man Goes to War this season, and mm. last season he was uh, he was the person that River bought her time manipulator thing from. So it was either Big Bang or Pandora Opens. But yes, he's he's been in at least three episodes now. Okay. Okay, mm. sorry. That's that, that's the sound I make when I'm going to go back and check my check through my DVDs. <laughs> uh, what, what, what noise was it again? Just so that we know. Oh, okay, that sounds okay. good. That sounds good. The last thing I wanted to mention on this was was something that you you both have mentioned uh, already, and that's the Brigadier uh, oh. reference. I, I'm going to disagree slightly. All right, and it's not highly controversial, so don't worry. But burn him. I found myself really wanting the Brigadier not to have been killed off if you like I, I i think it would have been good to have references to the brigadier and what he's up to um you know made over years to come and i i know there's, there's a couple of people i've been talking to other listeners of other podcasts may know who that is but uh i really like the idea of the brigadier living on in doctor who and i just felt yes yes it was done beautifully and yes it was an absolutely fundamental plot point to this episode and it was all done brilliantly but I would love no, the Doctor, no. the 12th and 13th Doctor, to say, oh, you know, you know, the Brigadier, we know he's in, I don't know, he's in Bermuda somewhere investigating triangles. No. I'd love for that to have been mentioned at some point. If we're talking crass, that, that to me is crass. I mean, I mean, <laughs> no, I mean, it, it, it was a wonderful fitting tribute to someone who should now be, I suppose, laid to rest in Doctor yeah. Who lore. <laughs> and, you know, to, to have him then continually reference after that, you know, off re- researching triangles in Peru, that that would just come off as quite crass if he was mentioned, you know, once or twice a year or something like that. I, this, to me, was the mm. perfect, most beautiful way to yeah. see Nicholas Courtney off. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, in don't, don't the get fabric me wrong. of a story. I, I, I thought it was brilliant. I, I Yeah, it, it was very good. It was done the best way possible. I, I agree. But part of me just likes to think the Brigadier is still living on out there doing the brigadier thing that he used to do oh old soldiers never die actually do you know what there is um okay stand by i hope you're strapped in there's a big leap big old leap coming here right james you're a big finnish man um i am you remember in a death in the family uh the seventh doctor turns up and says uh evelyn as she's dying says to the seventh doctor so do do you have a, a book with everyone's birthdays in it and he says something like that yeah uh, and it's clearly referencing the idea that he's got a diary full of the days that everyone dies. Um, and yes. back in Battlefield, the, the, even the Seventh Doctor says, but Alistair, you're supposed to die in your bed. And interestingly, that's exactly what we got told happened on Saturday. Goodness me. Well done, Tom. I hadn't made that leap at all. Mm, very and nice. I think you're 100% correct. <laughs> well done. Yeah, <laughs> can't argue with that. Fair play. That's me, that's me done, man. It's taken all season for me to get up to that. We're done. <laughs> Well, before we tie this up in a nice little bow and put it away, um, this might have me coming across as incredibly thick, but I'm still just a little bit confused by the whole 
where is the doctor and which doctor is which type of thing. Um, I, I really need someone to sit me down, look me in the eye and explain the whole doctor timeline to me for this season because I, I still can't see where we end up with either A, the doctor coming out in the diner or the B, the doctor returning blue guy back, back to his cave. Can someone explain it to me, please? Tom, would you like to have a go at this? You, you can join our 15 other people who have sent in messages. <laughs> trying to right. I'm not entirely sure I understand it. I just accept it. But the, at the moment, and it doesn't feel quite right in my head when I try, well, as I'm trying to imagine myself saying it, but I've got the, I, I'm thinking that at, the, at Lake Silencio, when, um, when, when the Doctor is shot, or what appears to be the Doctor is shot, um, the actual Doctor leaves the Tesla lecture and just pops across to the diner and, and, and comes out holding a blue envelope and says, all right, right okay, no, this that's no, fine. No, 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 absolutely, categorically not. Okay, cool. Like I said, I wasn't <laughs> sure, but I'm, I'm willing to be educated no, on No, this. Sorry, sorry. Oh, no, sorry. Oh, no, no, the, the guy who comes out of the loo in The Impossible Astronaut has come directly from whatever happens after A Christmas Carol. We right, are we so, are still following the Doctor in his in his normal timeline. So what does that Doctor do that comes out of the toilet? He has Series 6. And he has then, Series 6 to go through. And because then, he doesn't know what's going on. And then he jumps into the Tesselector. Yep. And then continues. He jumps into the Tesselector. He gets shot. And he then takes himself out of the Tesselector after it's burnt and goes to return the head of Mr. Blue Man, Dorium. And that is the end of season six. Hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. But so, hang on. So, oh, hang on. But where's Amy and Rory? Listen, because Amy and Rory... Amy and Rory were dropped off at the end of the God Complex. But they're going, but they the Doctor's dead. dropped off at the end of the God Complex. So when does season six no, happen they're for them? No, only in... Oh, in the Compromise universe, they are there and they have a different story to tell. Purely to get them in the episode, obviously. But oh. they are gone. And oh. you saw the future versions of them in Closing Time. But, but, but okay, so who's... But, but the, the Amy and Rory that River's talking to are actually part of, this, of established time because she says, I've just left you on the Byzantium. Yeah, but that is that's that's part of River's timeline. She's just left them after Byzantium, yes. But Rory and Amy have then gone through all of the events of the Wedding of River Song. They still remember it, and they still remember the Compromise universe, but they're back in the Healed universe, where time is running normally, so are we and saying River that, is still visiting them separately. So are we, saying, are we saying that all of Seasons 6 and 6B took place in an alternative timeline? No, no, no we're no, not. No, 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 just episode no. 13. Because uh, once the kiss when... happens and, and time is put back to rights, then in essence the, the scene in the garden with Amy and her daughter, takes place after the wedding of River Song. Quite correct. Absolutely right. In conterminous time in which the Doctor is still living and he, put, and he goes and puts down Blue Man's head again and then we're off into season no, seven. Why is it, why, yes, no, indeed. because time is put back to normal as far as Amy and Rory and all them are concerned. Um, sorry, as, as far as Amy and Rory are concerned, the Doctor is dead. Yes, but he's still alive. It's but only he- River... Who has that information? Which yeah, the river then tells Amy and Rory. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah, and that scene in the garden is set after the events of the uh, the wedding of River Song, where the Doctor's off returning the head of Dorium. River Song from the Crash of Byzantium, or just after that story, is coming back to speak to Amy and Rory then, and then gives them the information. All all I want to know is how does 
River know that information? Because she was given that information in the compromised universe and when they went back to normal, they didn't remember all that sort of nonsense. How does River remember it? Oh, now that is where I'm a bit stumped because <laughs> that's from an earlier timeline, isn't it? That's an earlier point in River's timeline. But yeah, but even more than that, Amy and Rory have just seen the Doctor shot dead at Lake Silencio when they're in the garden, which is why they think he's yes. dead. They, he has, he, they haven't seen him. Oh die. no, they haven't seen him. No, die they like... don't. No, they don't. That's not right. That's not right. It really isn't. The reason they think he's dead is because the end, the time has just gone up and spoke when it was shot when he was shot she remembers i think there's a line that says amy says i remember two versions of things that happened one where the doctor shot another where they went into the compromise universe so she oh, just okay. wasn't sure so, she, and when everything came back together again she was not sure whether the doctor was alive or dead the doctor was alive because he was returning the heads of dorian but he he was then told the, the real question is how did that earlier version of river know um, because she also said that she had to pretend not to know Amy in Time of Angels. That's so fine because know? that's no, no, but that that's back in the normal universe. So she she she's known who her mother is the whole time. Guys, can I just say something here? Yes. Look, I've just she listened knows. to the last four or five minutes of this, and this is exactly what we're supposed to be doing with Doctor Who. This is what I was doing when I was eight in playgrounds but what about how does this work how come but doesn't he know but surely the doctor could just this is what this is all the show is meant to do it's meant to do this perfect the problem is when you were eight you weren't going to get 50 billion emails correcting you were you and look, who looks after the inbox guys it's me listen so, uh, don't, don't, even, don't, don't even start me about people who write into Gallifrey base man please <laughs> And Tom, keep that in, because I think that's an important line. <laughs> Just yes. cut out that line of mine. <laughs> oh, well, I, I think that all makes sense now that you've explained it. And I think that line you mentioned, which I'd forgotten about, that River had seen the Doctor die and not die. She must have yeah. some special unexplained ability which allows her to retain those memories that the Doctor gave her in the Compromise universe so she could then carry it over back into the real universe yeah. and yeah. say... Um, look into my eyes. Speaking of look into my eyes, that's one thing I, re- I, I realised. That was one of the other moments in the story that I thought, ah, this is magical. Because when the Doctor whispered into River's ear initially, I thought, ah, this is the tie back to Silence in the Library, where um, River presumably whispers the Doctor's name back to the David Tennant Doctor. She definitely but, whispers his name. But yeah. it wasn't. No. What Matt Smith whispered to River Song was look into my eye not yep. this is my name that's right so to me so I, 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 I was a little bit um, I don't know disappointed confused by that because I thought this was the moment that was going to tie into the science uh, in the library two-parter this but, is Stephen Moffat being Stephen Moffat Trev um, he yeah. wants to leave a window open for River to return so I mean by the time River meets David Tennant's doctor then she does know his name, but she doesn't at this point in time, which no, means that no. there's a there's an opportunity for Alex Kingston to reprise her role at some points, and enough, it also yeah. means that you know next year, with all of these references to the Doctor's name, I think that may be an intrinsic part of the season. I mean, we talk about Doctor Who, um, the Doctor's name whispered by River Song, and apparently back again uh, from the Doctor later on in his timeline. That's all to come, and perhaps. Perhaps Stephen Moffat, Matt Smith's last season is going to be all about who the Doctor is. And if that's oh, the be case, then I, I, can, I just 
I, I just Tom hope we get to the end of next year and we find the doctor's name is Bob. Oh, Bob is a good name, isn't it? 49 Dr. years Bob. of uh, lore and stories and mythos, <laughs> and the doctor turns around to River and goes, My name is Bob. I think that's That'd good. be brilliant. Yep. Well done. We'll have to play this part of the podcast back to you in about uh, a year's time, and uh, we'll, we'll see whether or not that is actually correct. But, uh, <laughs> but there we go. Guys, have we got anything else to say about uh, probably the most memorable wedding of this year? <laughs> I've been to a couple of weddings. Um, only that yeah, I you think said it's... you didn't remember either of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, so one of them came back to get me the other day. Um, I would say this is up there with the best of the season finales. Um, I've made it very clear inside this episode exactly why I think this is so magnificent because it returns Doctor Who to 1963. It says, "All right, this, this is a mystery. Let's go and have some fun in the universe." It's 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 been a long and bumpy ride this season, but yeah absolutely worth it and i and i for what it's worth i agree with the, with the showrunner that's a game changer right there mm. it's funny because i think i disagree with most of what you say there but let's save that <laughs> for another winning formula? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes probably true <laughs> anyway i too look forward to the next episode of doctor who and we haven't got that long to wait really um when we were discussing big bang this time last year, well, actually it wasn't this time last year, but we had about five, six months to wait for the Christmas special. We've only got three this time. Mm. Yep. Spoiled we are, spoiled. Mm. Yes, and there's been quite a lot of information floating around on the internet about this upcoming episode. If you are so inclined to want to go out and spoil yourself, then there are some good pictures available if you go searching for them. All right. Ooh. I shall just leave it at that. Okay, I'm going <laughs> to hold my breath until it's on the screen. Okay. Well, while Tom's holding his breath, uh, we might sail off into the sunset here at the Doctor Who podcast and go find a wedding of our own to attend. Tom, you okay, mate? Yes! Breathe, mate. Breathe. (laughs) Ah, that's better. Deflate him, someone, quick. (laughs) Where's a pin when you need it? Tom's been inflated far too many times this episode. (laughs) Fabulous. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, James, for... uh, Setting my mind at rest and unconfusing it. Very much yeah, well, confused mine now. I thought I understood it and I don't. <laughs> oh. Such is the nature of Doctor Who. Anyway. We'll be back next week in one form or another. We haven't decided exactly what we're going to do, but I think we'll probably have a bit of a, a feedback centric discussion based season six Matt Smith era roundup type thing. So, feedback um, frenzy. We'll, we'll see you all then for that. <laughs> Indeed. Perfect. Bye bye. Bye for now, everyone. Bye. That was the Doctor Who Podcast, which you can find at thedoctorwhopodcast.com. If you have any feedback, please send it into feedback at thedoctorwhopodcast.com. You can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, and via the Doctor Who Podcast forums. Thank you for listening. Take care.